even if three the 3ds era is gone um the era of degenerate gambling is alive and well <laughs> that, there you that, go there we go really that's well? a good one. okay <laughs> uh, I, I don't i don't love that but we're, we're gonna go with it Hello and welcome to episode 113 of Rhythm Encounter, RPG fans' bi-weekly podcast all about RPG music. I'm Mike Solosi, and yes, this is a different mic than you're used to hearing, listeners, but that's because one mic on RPG fan has played all the Dragon Quest games, and the other one, well, declined to host this episode. Uh, and that's right, uh, this episode of Rhythm Encounter is all about Dragon Quest. We have four Dragon Quest fans here ready to share the uh, superior selections of Koichi Sugiyama's music, um, but we're going to focus on the music and not the composer because, uh, frankly, the more I learn about that guy, the less I am inclined to enjoy him. Um, but, but before we uh, start talking about the origins and nature of Dragon Quest music, let's introduce the rest of the panel, starting with Audra Bowling. Hello, hello. And Gio Castillo. Good evening or morning. And Mario Garcia. What up? Mario, Gio, Audra, uh, we're here to celebrate Dragon Quest a little bit um, for I, not a particular reason, I guess, but I think uh, some months ago, we noticed that there's barely any Dragon Quest music um, on the, our podcast master list. Like, we, uh, I think there's only been four or five Dragon Quest tracks shared across the entire 112 uh, episode history of Rhythm Encounter. So, like, so then uh, we had a Dragon Quest episode pop up on the ideas board following that, and the four of us signed up, and here we are. Uh, but before we uh, before we go into that, um, uh, let's go down the line. Uh, what's something you appreciate about Dragon Quest music, or maybe just something you appreciate about Dragon Quest in general? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, one adjective I think of with Dragon Quest music a lot that I know is going to come out later is stately. Like these songs feel like concertos and minuets. The, the castle tracks, like, feel like you're going through a royal hall. There is a, there is a not a solemnness exactly, but a sort of grandness that I associate with a like a uh, with a symphonic orchestra um, when I listen to a lot of Dragon Quest music, and I think that's because Koichi Sugiyama was a classical composer of some renown. Um, before he ever composed music for a video game. Uh, and you can see his classical chops sh sh sort of showing through um, every uh, Dragon Quest soundtrack. I, I would definitely say that. And I'm also like impressed at how um, just how every single Dragon Quest song sounds like it could be in the same game, even th through different entries in the, in the series. Like it's like extremely... Con consistent sounding no matter what, what you wear no matter what song you listen to so it, it's one of i don't know it's, it's it's an amazing quality of the music and i guess you could say it's like a it's because sugiyama's palette is like kind of limited but i don't know he's he he was good at what he did this you know I, I, I feel like it's okay saying that now because he's dead, but yeah, he was pretty good <laughs> what he did. <laughs> no, I, I understand what you mean. If you adjusted for things like the technology of the time or the sound library of a particular game, 
a song from Dragon Quest 1 fits in just fine in Dragon Quest 11. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I mean, you could call you, you you could call that a lack of variety or sophistication or you could call it a thematic consistency and uh depending on how you wanted to spin it, I guess. Yeah. But, but but Mario, what's uh, one thing you think of when it comes to Dragon Quest is, uh, is focusing on the music in particular? I was going to say um, it feels v- like very comforting in like a fairy tale esque kind of way, you know? Like it feels very, like kind of what you're saying with sort of that stately sort of um, presence to it. But I don't know. It's just a lot of the music feels so classical and so um, like, yeah, I guess like comf- it's like a comfort game. Comfort food in like RPG music form, if that makes sense. I I think that Dragon Quest are uh, RPGs are comfort food in RPG form. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, the fairy tale comparison is very apt. I I've probably said words to this effect on a podcast before, so I apologize if this is uh, repeating for some listeners. But like Dragon Quest games are like fairy tales, while Final Fantasy games or near games or uh, Xenoblade games are like convoluted sci-fi epics and. Liking one over the other doesn't mean that, you know, one is better than the other or that you're wrong or right in some way. It's because that they're like just completely different types of stories. And because you can explain a Dragon Quest plot in a few sentences, um, the the evil dragon lord has kidnapped the princess and but she holds the key to how to reach the dragon lord's castle to defeat him like that. that, I just explained 70 percent of the plot of Dragon Quest one. But that's also a sort of charming fairy tale. And the music of Dragon Quest is comforting and consistent and cozy in the in the way that Dragon Quest setups often are. And I uh, I I probably just over followed or over explained your point, Mario, which I which I totally <laughs> agree with. My that's on me, my bad. But no no worries. That was basically yeah, no, that's that's basically how I feel about it. Yeah, no. And I should say for the record, I love Dragon Quest, but I also love Nier, Final Fantasy, and Xenoblade. So I'm not, I'm just, I, I just, I just have a broad range of interests. But speaking of a broad yeah. range of interests, um, our most prolific reviewer of the 2020s is here with us. Um, Audra, I know um, you and I d- uh, did some Dragon Quest podcasting a year or two ago. And around then, you hadn't played a ton of games in the series yet. But um, how has your uh, Dragon Quest palette expanded over the f- past few years? And what are your thoughts on its music in general? Well, so far, I've played DQ9, which is my first one, and DQ11S and DQ4. And I really want to play the other ones when I have time. I mean, when you when you enjoy long video games, as most RPG fans do, uh, like an overabundance of selection and a limit of time is a problem we all know all too well. Yes. But I do love the comforting sense of a fairy tale and adventure that you get with Dragon Quest games. Yeah, there's an innocent spirit of adventure and a story structure like a fairy tale in almost every Dragon Quest game. And I mean, we don't let's not dwell too much on the life and times of Koichi Sugiyama, but his sound his soundtracks were one of the defining pillars of what Dragon Quest is right alongside Akira Toriyama's art and Yuji Horii's uh, writing. But um, let, let's celebrate the music and not the man today. Uh, uh, let's see, a little bit of Dragon Quest, uh, Quest um, lore for all y'all that you probably know already, my apologies. The first Dragon Quest game came out in May of 1986. The last one came out in Japan 
in uh, July of 2017. And uh, haters would say it hasn't changed all that much over those 31 years. But, but, but fans would probably say the exact same thing, but with a positive spin. Um, it was called Dragon Warrior in the West until the early 2000s, even into the GBA games, uh, I'm sorry, the Game Boy Color games uh, in of around 2000, uh, because there was a tabletop game called Dragon Quest and they didn't want to run into, um, in North America, and they didn't want to run into copyright issues. But starting with Dragon Quest VIII in 2005, uh, the series was called Dragon Quest Across All Territories. Um, and uh, Dragon Quest VIII was also the first Dragon Quest game released in Europe, uh, so it, that was a very important game for uh, the in, like the growing international popularity of the brand. Um, and the Dragon Quest has a bunch of spinoffs and side games. We're sticking to the main series uh, for the most part for this episode, but uh, the Mystery Dungeon series started out as a Dragon Quest spinoff. The um, Itadaki Street or Fortune Street series of puzzle uh, board games started out as Dragon Quest spinoffs. There's a a trilogy of Rocket Slimes games for the various handhelds of the 2000s. There's a lot of Dragon Quest spinoffs out there. Um, but we're sticking to the main series today. Uh, and the future of Dragon Quest is very, very interesting because around two years ago, they announced five upcoming Dragon Quest games that got fans really excited. Uh, but the only one of those we've seen so far is the Dragon Quest Treasures side game that released late last year. So, okay, that was enough Dragon Quest. Uh, let's go talk about Dragon Quest music for real now. Um, apologies for this intro. That is definitely almost 10 minutes. Um, we Our first two tracks today are coming from Mario and Audra. And uh, in, you know, going against the grain for how Rhythm Encounter usually works, we're going in reverse series order. So, Mario, what's your Dragon Quest Eleven track? Yes, um, my track is Light Through the Leaves of Love um, from Dragon Quest Eleven, And... Yeah, it's a great song. I hope you all enjoy it. Now, Audra, uh, tell us about your track from Dragon Quest Nine. My track is Protectors of the Starry Sky, and it's the second ending credit theme from Dragon Quest Nine. Excellent. So, uh, listeners, please enjoy Light Through the Leaves of Love and Protectors of the Starry Sky. Thank you. 
All right, that was the end of block one uh, with one Dragon Quest Eleven track from Mario and a Dragon Quest Nine track from Audra. So Mario, uh, tell us a little bit about Light Through the Leaves of Love. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just for a little context behind my reasoning for including the song. Um, so I'm also a, a recent Dragon Quest fan. Like I'm catching up with a lot of the games. Um, so Eleven was actually my first Dragon Quest, and I remember playing it and. Everyone like complains about the music or whatever, but I was like, "This is great!" Like the town theme, like everything's so cute, and like I, I was loving it. But then I went back and played Dragon Quest Three, and realized that oh, it's just the same music from literally whenever that game came out. Um, <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of my favorite tracks from Dragon Quest Eleven are uh, rearrangements of other Dragon Quest music. The, the music in the uh, in in the um in in the magic school in Dragon Quest Eleven is the castle town from Dragon Quest Five. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> see, I even know that. See, so like stuff like that, where it's just like, yeah, I was just like, what? The soundtrack's great. What are people talking about? Then I was like, oh, I see. Um, but this song though is Dragon Quest Eleven specific, and I really like it. I think like kind of what I was saying earlier, it feels very, um, sort of fairy tale esque and like mystical. Um, and in particular, this plays during um, when you get to Idrisil, which is like the world tree or whatever. And it's a beautiful scene. Um, and like this song just adds so much to it in terms of just that sort of like that part of the game is about getting to this point. And I don't know, it's just a really beautiful song. Um, and I think it really speaks to sort of that fairy tale esque feeling that I associate with Dragon Quest. And yeah, it's also proof that there's at least one good song that's Dragon Quest 11 only but yeah even even I think the final boss track is a is from Dragon Quest 3 and, and Dragon Quest yeah. 11 I'd have, I'd have to do more research on that to make sure no it is yeah that was a realization I had too when I played Dragon Quest 3 I was like oh wait this is also yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dragon Quest Eleven is full of Dragon Quest Three references. Um, uh, not the least of which is uh, starting to find, uh, like having the first thrust of the game being finding six multicolored orbs. A classic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, this song, it, it is so tranquil and peaceful and beautiful. Uh, and they give you, and there's a rug pull moment in the, this part of the story, in the location where you hear this song. And then uh, things take a turn for the unpeaceful, somewhat, because uh, <laughs> this is right. At, basically, if you consider Dragon Quest Eleven to be a three-act game, this is right at the end of Act One, um, uh, where you hear the song. But uh, and it, it almost feels like a victory lap, like you've reached the place you've meant to go to this whole time. Um, uh, you think that uh, victory is in hand, um, the, the day is saved. Uh, but and and this is sort of the the sort of ha the happy peaceful song that plays uh while you're experiencing that feeling and then that feeling's gone but but the song on its own is is quite beautiful it's a it, it's not exactly a town song but it has the vibe of just an incredibly like picturesque town song it's very much a turning point moment for the game yeah i don't want to spoil it here but this song is right before a turning point that belies how pretty this song is <laughs> yeah uh, actually i i don't i haven't played dragon quest 11 but like my I, my my typically from the song it's really emotional like it made me kind of want to cry because like I, I thought i thought it was like um maybe someone died or something i don't know it, it sounds like a a, a song of grief in a way but it's it is beautiful i love it i love this song it's like 
um, it makes me more excited to play Dragon Quest XI one day. <laughs> I, I mean, I will just throw it out here. Like, in spite of its limited soundtrack, Dragon Quest XI is probably my entire, my favorite RPG of the entire 2010s. It, uh, it, it I think it helps to already like Dragon Quest a little bit because th- this game, this is a game that's about nostalgia and memory in a lot of ways. And it just, it just hits every Dragon Quest feeling that you have in your body when you play this game. Um, but it's it's a great introduction to the series, and or a great most like like final game in the series to play, it just in the way it's structured. But uh, and and trust me, there are surprises and um, and even shocks in the story of Dragon Quest XI that I I don't want to spoil for you, Geo. But there's a uh, like like this it, there there is a sad beauty to m- multiple to multiple different parts of Dragon Quest XI that I and I hope you get to play the game soon. And and maybe you'll uh, uh, you'll feel the way that I and others feel about it. Um, uh, I don't know if you've heard this episode yet, but in a recent episode of Retro Encounter, um, Zach Wilkerson, uh, our, our dear uh, friend and the features head on RPG fan, um, actually did <laughs> uh, nearly shed tears talking about um, his experience with Dragon Quest XI, but but not this specific part of the game. Oh, I was there. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, right. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I forgot it. We, we recorded it a while ago, so I, I didn't remember the exact lineup. But uh, but but yeah, I um, just consider that a full throated recommendation of this game, in spite of it. It, it uh, a lot of people clowning on its soundtrack when when Dragon Quest XI was new. I'm, I'm glad, actually glad that Sugiyama decided to make uh, compose like a, a new song for this specific moment. I guess like uh, he could have easily just gone back to the well, but. You know, he, he found, he pulled out one last good song in, in him. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> I'm not sure how much of Sugiyama is going to be in Dragon Quest XII. Uh, he had one or more protégés that is working on that soundtrack. But uh, I, I think he's probably still going to be credited somewhat. So this isn't, maybe this isn't the last uh, Sugiyama original, as it were. Oh. But when uh, I, I, we don't know enough about twelve to to have that one hundred percent certain, I, and I haven't done all that research yet. Yeah. But I mean, if Dragon Quest Eleven was the closing credits on Koichi Sugiyama's life, um, let's talk about a different closing credits. Um, Audra, <laughs> you mentioned right. You <laughs> mentioned. <segue. laughs> hey, I, I I haven't podcasted in a while, but I still can whip out a segue now and then. <laughs> um, Audra, you you mentioned that Protectors of the Starry Sky is the end credit song to Dragon Quest Nine. Um, what's your experience with Dragon Quest Nine, and uh, why did you pick this this song for this episode? I wanted to represent Dragon Quest Nine in this episode just because it was my first experience with Dragon Quest, and I just really I fell in love with it. It was a wonderfully charming game, and one of the first games I played on my DS, and I just I wanted to represent it. So I picked this just because I love the emotional range of it. Yeah. Th- this song really is a journey because mm-hmm. the opening chords of it really think make you think like this is a late game boss battle or something but then it goes through sort of a travel theme a town theme um the tempo picks up to some more uh, combat like themes again this this feels like an overture or a medley of, of dragon quest 9 yeah i felt like it was a very good representation of the whole of the spectrum of the game as it were Totally agree. Uh, uh, Geo or Mario, um, what did you think of this one? I loved it. I, 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 I sort of figured it was like an end credits theme with like how it put, you know, it melded together a bunch of songs. Like I, I love how, 
um, it just um, it always keeps you on your toes in a way. Like uh, like um, I'm always like it's like yeah, it's like yeah, it started out like you thinking oh it's like a battle theme and then all of a sudden it's like it mellows out becomes like more of a uh, I guess like a traveling overworld theme. It's nice. It's a really good summary of what Dragon Quest Nine is about. I love it. Yeah, no, I basically had the same experience of because I haven't I haven't played Dragon Quest Nine, um, but yeah. So when I listened to this, I thought it was great, and I was trying to guess where in the game it played, and I kept <laughs> like, okay, maybe this is a boss, or maybe this is. Um, but now this kind of sounds like an overworld thing, but um, eventually I was like, okay, there's so many different like the range of this. It must be like end credits or something. Um, because then that makes sense with how a lot of those tend to go over the whole game and everything. But yeah, I know this is a fantastic song. I really liked it. It's not an easy song title to Google because Protectors of the Starry Sky, I think, is a fair translation of the game's Japanese title. But they, they went with Sentinels of the Starry Skies um, for the official release version. But, but yeah, you're all absolutely correct. This, this song is a wide range of tones um, that sort of hit over the the classic dragon quest experience and and dragon quest 9 is an interesting one on its own it was the um you could tell that around this time in the late 2000s hori had a a, the the sort of grandpa of dragon quest had a fascination with multiplayer so there was a lot of multiplayer functionality in 9 for the ds and 10 for the wii uh, later pc and other systems so and um if you played dragon quest 9 with others uh, it, it is it is a different feeling game because like the like jumping into the worlds of your friends and sharing uh, rare uh, uh, rare um, dungeon maps that you found or uh, quest information you found is, is really super cool for a game that I think is from 2008 or 2009. I'd have to I did, don't uh, don't fact check me on that one. But uh, and this was also a very exciting time for Dragon Quest fans because they were right in the middle of the DS remakes of four, five, six. Uh, Rocket Slime, the the middle game of the uh, of the Rocket trilogy, came out around this time. It, like this was a time where Dragon Quest fans were eating, and uh, Dragon Quest Nine's a special experience. It's, it's still totally playable single player, but um, th- there really was something to the multiplayer functionality and um, having an exclusive shop and uh, quest downloads on the online uh, sort of the online interface of Dragon Quest Nine that would update every week. It's, it's a special weird game that I think really would need a remake because with the DS uh, online functionality being down for good, you you need to get to some real weird server shenanigans to access the online content of Dragon Quest IX nowadays. This this game is is screaming for a Switch remake of sorts, I think. Yes. Yes, I please. Play it. Yes. doesn't even have to be Switch, but put that thing on anything. Just I, I want a playable version of Dragon Quest IX with the with the online content intact. I, I was gonna say like you could access the online content like through like fan made servers, like fan run servers. Yes. But yeah, it's it's a lot of hoops for you know something that should be easy. And I don't think you you just can't do multiplayer anymore. So it's a it's a it's a, a big part of the game is gone. They they really need to bring it back somehow. I, I think you could do local multiplayer. Oh. Um. But 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 you would have to like have it set a certain way, and you need two people with with DSs and the game in the same room, uh, so to speak. But, but but still, that that's a that's an unnecessary hoop, and who like who's carrying around a regular DS anymore? <laughs> my my even my 3DS Street Passing days are behind me. I'm afraid. <laughs> I miss Street Passing so much. 
<laughs> Dude, at MAGFest every year, and I went to four E3s in a row, I was street passing like a mofo around that time. <laughs> okay. It was I, I have around half of the Japanese prefectures, around um, I think like 35 or 40 of the American states, a bunch <laughs> of stuff in Europe. It's uh, Street passing was dope. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember the last time I ever street passed was when I went to Japan, like in 2019 or so. And like, yeah, that was the last time I ever got like more than... 10 street passes a day like i'd had to like check it and then go like you know cycle through the 10 and then close it again so i could i remember i got like 30 in a single day and like oh man that's like i'll never this will never this will never happen again (laughs) no no i I think i think i think you could get like 10 street passes at once before your queue was maxed and you had to welcome everyone in and and go back to zero i would get 10 every two minutes at e3 jesus just 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 everyone had their 3ds in their pocket or bag or or purse or something so uh but 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 those days are gone um uh, however oh boy oh how am i gonna do this transition uh even if three, the 3DS era is gone, um, the era of degenerate gambling is alive and well. <laughs> that, there you that, go. There we go. Really? That's wow. a good one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't love that, but we're, we're going to go with it. Um, we have a, uh, two different forms of battles here, a battle against uh, monsters and a battle against slot machines. Um, uh, Geo, what is your song uh, for block number two? Yeah, I'm bringing Happy Humming from Dragon Quest VI, Realms of Revelation. And now, Audra, your turn. What is your track for block number two? Battle for the Glory from Dragon Quest IV. All right, listeners, uh, that's it. Uh, please enjoy Happy Humming from Dragon Quest VI and Battle for the Glory for Dragon Quest IV.
All right, listeners, that was our second block of the episode, Happy Humming from Dragon Quest VI and Battle for the Glory from Dragon Quest IV. So, uh, Geo, um, we're all friends here. Uh, let's talk about your gambling problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually never, ever gamble in Dragon Quest games. Um, what? Uh, but, <laughs> I, I, hardly. Like, um, I, I mean, I, I, dip, I dip in for like a, you know, 10 minutes or so, like in... Dragon Quest Four, Dragon Quest Five. I actually haven't gone got into this part in Dragon Quest Six yet. Oh, n- not not me, dude. I yeah. will go online, find out the optimal uh, uh, roulette <laughs> strategies, and then uh, and then grind <laughs> until I get that gingham whip and some platinum armor. And oh no, I'm I'm a I'm an absolute monster in Dragon <laughs> Quest gambling, which is why I know I should never try real gambling. Uh, oh because, God. Like, because because then I'd really ruin my own life. I'm, I, I have gambled in real life a little bit, but like uh, where we're talking about like you know not breaking $50 at a bachelor party in Atlantic City. But, uh, yeah, I limit my gambling to RPGs because there's a save-reload function. Oh, there we go. <laughs> but um, but a lot of Dragon Quest games include gambling minigames. I think Yuji Horii mentioned once that he he added gambling to uh, his video games because it was, it was uh, you know, less costly than gambling in real life. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, and a lot of the Dragon Quest games have casinos and a lot of the casino rewards are extremely good i mentioned the ginga whip which is the best whip in the game in a bunch of dragon quest games and it's usually really expensive uh a couple uh dragon quest casinos have metal king equipment at the end of uh at the end of the prize table but uh, let's talk about the song a little bit um how about that really buzzy duty uh super famicom soundscape yeah that's one of the reasons why i picked this one like it's 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 very unique i don't think he they ever reuse this particular um instrument ever again that do 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 thing and it's yeah it 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 what because like i listen to soundtracks i've never for games i've never played and like when this song came up i was like oh my god what is this like it's uh yeah it's it's amazing like i actually i i listen to this song like all the time like it's like in my regular rotation like my my regular playlist for listening and like yeah it's something about it like it's 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 like it's about as far as Koichi Sugiyama will go into like big band jazz, and it's yeah, it's it's really <laughs> I, I like it a lot. I would I, I would wager that a lot of our listeners are the I listen to game soundtracks for games I haven't played crowd. That, that yeah. is that is what this podcast is about. Yeah, <laughs> actually, <laughs> and actually, like um, another reason like why I like this song is like you know like you you touched on. Yuji Hori like have like you know wanting basically including this gambling mode in Dragon Quest because it's better than gambling in real life. Like I'm like I remember he he said like he had like a gambling problem. Like he had a hard time. Like he, I don't know. Like I forget exactly what he said, but yeah, he did have an issue with gambling. And like I like how this song is like kind of like pleasant, right? But it has like that. I guess because in light of his comment, like it feels kind of tongue in cheek as well. It's like, oh yeah, like it, it, this is like that feeling you get while gambling. Your your dopamine's like crazy high, but you know, but there's like that hint of like, oh no, like you know, I'm 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 falling, you know, like I'm I'm spending too much money on this. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 like a it's a song that's jazzy and sort of thumpy uh, that's in uh, incongruous for a Dragon Quest game. And, and a lot, uh, some of the other casino themes uh, have that a similar tone. 
but it, it, they, they want you to feel like a high roller when you're going through the uh, uh, a casino in a Dragon Quest game. And it, uh, you know, it's 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 not as intense as a battle theme, but it it'll, but it'll get your blood moving. It'll get you excited to watch the slots or, or the uh, the slots roll or the roulette wheel spin. Usually, roulette's the way to go in Dragon Quest games for gambling. Either either monster betting or uh, or the roulette is that usually the the biggest return. That that's uh that's for all three of you that haven't uh, played every single casino in Dragon Quest like <laughs> I have. <laughs> <laughs> I remember playing the the board game thing in Dragon Quest V. Uh, I, oh, I don't know if uh, that counts. Uh, Pachisi? Uh, is that what it's called? Like the one where it's you're... called. Well, it's also in Dragon Quest Three, um, or at least in the GB, the Super Famicom and, G, and Game Boy Color versions. I think it's Pachisi in Japanese and TNT in oh, yeah. the um, yeah, which, yeah, which which is like uh, I forget what TNT stands for. It's like it's like um, so oh, it's it, it's like it's like it's like tables and turnabout or something, but. But yeah, but I, I know it's Pachisi in like Dragon Warrior Three for the Game Boy Color and uh, TNT in Dragon Quest Five for the DS. <laughs> yeah, TNT is fine because like you don't actually spend your 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 money. You spend like those tickets and things, right? So like I I, I played a lot of that. Like, <laughs> but like yeah, I, I I definitely don't like spending money on slots and Dragon Quest. Uh, save, save, reload is your friend, and online guides for the best bet for the best bets are your friend. Oh man, yeah, you gotta get that Metal King equipment. <laughs> I mean, I, I would. It's just that I, 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 it's pretty time consuming for me to like do the save reload thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it is time consuming, but uh, I play so many RPGs. My sense of time management is is in the abyss, basically <laughs> over the over the decades. <laughs> You know, I feel you, Gio, though. I'm very much, uh, um, I also don't really gamble too much in these games, and I'm very much, uh, um, just in general, an RPG item hoarder or money hoarder. Yeah, like, same I here. Barely yes. buy stuff unless it's like end game, and I'm like, okay, I really should upgrade for my bronze armor or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah, like in Persona, I never ever use like my somas, like my revival beats, until like. <laughs> until like the final oh, boss. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I save those are like ethers and FF and in Final Fantasy and stuff. And yeah, I always save whatever you can't buy in stores. I'm like, I can't use this. I have to save it for later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I also had that in instinct for many years, but recently I'm trying to work against it because it's like, wait a second, if I don't spend them now, I might never spend them ever. So when I recently played Octopath Traveler 2, I used items all the time because, and it actually made me feel fun and powerful. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Plus, I mean, ca Casty with an uh, uh, one of the characters in Octopath Traveler Two with a, like an item alchemy build is an absolute monster. She's uh, uh, whatever. Uh, uh, listeners, yeah. <laughs> we we all hoard our items, but don't be afraid to use your items. <laughs> and don't be afraid to gamble a little. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, yeah. it's okay there to gamble go. when you have a save reload function. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm gonna gamble in Dragon Quest Six just because I like this song and like I, right. I want that Metal King slime armor. <laughs> yeah, do it. Like, go see what's on the prize list and and uh, and uh, like set some goals and then check in a guide for check a guide for what gives you the most money. <laughs> Let's go. And if you ever get sick of this song, there's always uh um 113 episodes of Rhythm Encounter to listen to in a backlog. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, let's see. Um, let's talk about a different kind of uh, risking your livelihood. Um, uh, Audra, you gave us a, a random battle theme, uh, Battle for the Glory from Dragon Quest IV. Uh, so uh, let's talk about that a little bit, shall we? We shall. 
I just really like the battle themes a lot in Dragon Quest. I find them fun and upbeat and kind of determined. Just enough to get your blood pumping for the fights, but I don't know, they're just... I like them. <laughs> so I was like, I'm gonna pick one for this podcast, and it's between this one and Dragon Quest XI's random battle theme, but I just... There's something about Battle for the Glory, I just... It caught my attention when I first heard it, so I kept coming back to it. Now, um, I apologize if this is a commonly held opinion, but I think you hear the random battle theme in Dragon Quest Eleven a few too many times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they, they, they they use it in cutscenes and in other stuff. But uh, but, but Dragon Quest Four, Battle for the Glory, this is a banger of a theme, and um, I think that uh, not just Dragon Quest, but all RPG random battle themes share have one thing in common with uh, professional professional wrestling entrance themes in that the most important part is the first five to ten seconds. Because that's what gets your attention, that's what that's what identifies the situation that you're in, it, like, like which wrestler is about to come crashing into the ring to interrupt the match, like, like it's like, oh, that's Edge's music! But, um, <laughs> but like, so, so the, the first five seconds are important in a random battle theme, and, uh, and, 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 and this, and this, uh, these opening chords here, the, uh, the sort of cascading downwards, into the uh, in, into the low strings, it's a really cool one. It uh, it, it like like again like these um, Sugiyama's themes will never be as upbeat or as crunchy as you know uh, as music more suited to electric guitars, but uh, but but they always do give you a sense of danger and a sense of announcing the presence mm -hmm. of monsters that I think is uh, you know not all of his battle themes are created equal. But uh, Battle for the Glory does a really good job of just, you know, taking you to the moment of, of battle. That, uh, I, But mostly I just like those opening chords. It gives you a sense of menace, but like menace you can overcome. Yeah, yeah it, it's like, yeah. oh, we are in danger, but I am, but uh, but I, I, I think that I still stand a chance. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's a we're in danger, but not a we're f***ed moment. We're not, we're not quite there. <laughs> Yeah, no, we've got this. It's like there's there's monsters around, but we've got this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm actually glad you picked this, Audrey. It's like this is probably like my favorite like battle theme in the series. Like I'm not the big fan of battle themes in Dragon Quest for some reason, but this one is like I guess I like it because like it, it was in in Dragon Quest Heroes. Like it would, it would be it's like one of the songs I associate with that game. They always yeah, that's the, the uh, um, Dragon Quest Heroes is the uh, Muso subseries of Dragon Quest games. I'm not sure I mm. mentioned those earlier. Yeah, uh, co-developed with Koei Tecmo and uh, Omega Force or uh, some combination of those. Yeah, I, I really, uh, I always like, I, I love this game. Like, I love, I mean, I love this song in that game. <laughs> it's like the perfect song for like slashing down like hordes of slimes. Is Elena in that game? Yeah, she is in that game. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> Excellent. All right, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't uh, played Dragon Quest Heroes because um, I, I don't play a lot of Muso games. But uh, Elena is a natural fit for a Dragon Quest Four. Oh yeah, in, in, in a sort of beat 'em up Dragon Quest game. <laughs> yeah, her 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 guards there too. Kiro, Kiro's there too. And uh, oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And she's she's actually in both games, both Dragon Quest Heroes One and Two. So yeah, you you'll get your fill of Elena. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> uh, Cyril was called Christo in Old Dragon Warrior Four for the NES, so I I always get his name wrong because I'm not sure which name to call him 
There we go. But no, Elena is a an absolute top five Dragon Quest badass. Like she, I, it is unbelievable how someone so non threatening looking is a complete murderer on your team. <laughs> yeah, she'll punch a hole through that wall. <laughs> she will critical hit you to Kingdom Come. Like if you're metal slime hunting, you want Elena on that team. Oh yeah, for sure. She's like the yeah. She's the critical person. She's like yeah. I, I feel like I never took her out of my team. Actually, she's just that good. <laughs> yeah, I think she gets a little less good at the end of the game because she can't equip like a liquid metal sword like a bunch of people can, and she maxes her strength like way before anyone else, so it stops going up while like characters like Ragnar or the hero will keep having their strength go up. So, but uh, like like she's she's so good that she that that like the lack of max stats work against her. <laughs> that, that's how good she is. Yeah. <laughs> um. But, well, I, I think that's our last battle theme uh, that we have for this episode. But we have uh, a lot of different corners of the Dragon Quest world to touch here. So, uh, uh, Mario, let's have you and I um, go on a journey to uh, a Dragon Quest game that's never been featured on Rhythm Encounter before. Uh, and and, and uh, I have the first track in this next block. Um, we're going to talk about Dragon Quest Three, and the song I chose is Adventure. Uh, from the Symphonic Suites Dragon Quest Three album. But uh, Mario, what's your selection for Block 3? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so yes, my selection is the town theme, particularly the night version of it from Dragon Quest Three. Um, and yeah, it's very chill, so I hope you all enjoy it. Right on. So listeners, please enjoy Adventure, uh, Symphonic Suite version, and Town, Nighttime version, both from Dragon Quest Three.
right, so that was our duo of Dragon Quest Three songs, uh, Adventure, Symphonic Suite, and Town at Night. Um, I'll, I'll kick this one off, uh, as if you haven't heard me speaking enough already on this episode. Um, the Symphonic Suite albums are... Uh, they're a little bit loaded, a loaded discussion in Dragon Quest fandom. Uh, I, I think we already uh, saw a Symphonic Suite version of one song earlier, uh, Mario, with your uh, that version of Light Through the Leaves of Love that we um, discussed earlier. But almost every Dragon Quest game has a Symphonic Suite album about it, um, where they basically just uh, reinterpret um, the soundtracks with the full orchestra. And uh, some of them have multiple ones, including Dragon Quest Three has a 1988 version done by the NHK Symphony Orchestra, a 1996 version from the London Philharmonic Orchestra, and a uh, 2005 version from the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony Orchestra. And this is from that 2005 album, uh, the, this, the uh, version of Dragon Quest III Adventure that we heard a moment ago. And Sugiyama, in one of his peculiarities, was that he always wanted the release version of the games to have, to have a MIDI-quality sound, so, you know, just, you know, to to be a little bit dismissive of it, like bleeps and bloops of a, of to sound video gamey. And then he would have live concerts and album recordings of a uh, of a symphonic suite version later. And it's 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 unclear if it was his stubbornness or his wanting to sell albums or whatever. But he was f- firmly against putting the symphonic quality soundtracks into the games themselves. And uh, that, like, for example, that happened with the uh, the PS2 international version of Dragon Quest VIII, but not the original Japanese version of Dragon Quest VIII or the 3DS version of Dragon Quest VIII. They have they have like MIDI soundtracks, but with a with a wonderful symphonic soundtrack for the uh, PS2 international version. So there's a lot of these symphonic sweet Dragon Quest albums, like bunches and bunches of them. You can find them on YouTube or other places. And um, this 2005 Dragon Quest III one is a really excellent one like uh, um I, I love the dragon quest 3 world map fe- theme um audra I, I i guess you're maybe the only person here that hasn't played dragon quest 3 it's a very open-ended rpg especially for a NES game um ah. you basically like learn the quest you have to do and then they sort of just set you on your way and you have to find six orbs by traveling every corner of the world so there is a lot of I'm wandering the world map looking for the next town or the next cave, not certain exactly what's coming my way. Uh, uh-huh. There's a lot of feeling of that with um, a less precise direction than most other games in the series with Dragon Quest three. But uh, but you always sort of feel like you're accomplishing something or working towards something or gaining that next level or finding that next clue. Uh, and I, I just love this song as a backdrop for that. Uh, and I also wanted to pick at least one song from a Symphonic Suite album because I've I've listened to those many a time. Uh, this is, um, this is like Dragon Quest has a lot of good world map themes, and Dragon Quest Threes is one of my favorites. It's a very apt title, I think. I mean, uh, it was 1988 or 89, so you could get away with a title like Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a fantastic overall theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really does capture that feeling of, I mean, basically going on your own adventure. You know, I think that's very much the the vibe of Dragon Quest 3 with like even just like creating your own party members is how the system works in that game um, like what jobs they want or what jobs they have and all that so yeah it's very much a set off and create your own adventure and find out where you're supposed to do next kind of game which again it's I guess just like playing it in modern recently I'm like okay sometimes it's kind of hard to figure out what to do but that's just um, a lot it's it's of, it's of its era. <laughs> 
Yeah. And uh, Audra, if that choose your own party and choose their own jobs thing sounds familiar to you as a Dragon Quest IX player, uh, Dragon Quest Three is sort of what originated that in uh, in Luida's tavern slash uh, 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 Patty's planning place or. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, so and um, Dragon Quest Three is is super influential for the series. Um, it was the game that sparked that uh, police request that uh, um, squi- that uh, Enix only released Dragon Quest games on weekends. It, it's not a part of a Japanese law, like some rumors say, but the national police did ask <laughs> the publishers of Dragon Quest to, to only release them on weekends so it wouldn't dis- disrupt students or, uh, or, or workers. And, um, and, uh, and uh, there, there's a huge amount of Dragon Quest III influence in Dragon Quest XI, going back mm-hmm. back to the, the to the six orbs, and how every party member in Dragon Quest XI is one of the Dragon Quest III j- uh, jobs, basically. Um, except for Merchant, but you have a Merchant buddy in Dragon Quest XI anyway. Uh, and, um, yeah, Dragon Quest III is hugely influential, and you see its influence in basically every game afterwards. It's It was sort of like the quote-unquote gold standard or best dragon quest game for a while like when when longtime fans talk about sort of what is the most dragon questy dragon quest three is sort of up up, up there it's a it's 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 a major milestone for the series yeah and it's universe is better than one and two like (laughs) it's it's hard to go back to dragon quest one and two but i think about maybe replaying Dragon Quest 3 every month or over every month or couple months. And like to go along with that, like this song is arguably the most Dragon Quest Dragon Quest song. It's like the it's, it's like the one that um I'm you kind of, like it's like after the main theme it's like the kind of Okay, like good. Yeah, I was yeah. I was about yeah, to say yeah. wait, 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 hold on a yeah. second. Don't, <laughs> like, yeah. don't say something we can take back. You can't <laughs> take back, Mario. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like thinking like it's it's the second most iconic theme in the series, I think, <laughs> arguably. <laughs> so yeah, it's a uh, yeah. I'm really glad we featured this one. It's also one of my favorites, and and also like um another song I associate with the uh, Dragon Quest Heroes, the Muso game, because uh, it's <laughs> it's it's the airship hub theme. So like it's a song you always hear between missions. Uh, do I have to go out and find a copy of Dragon Quest Heroes? <laughs> you have to. And, 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 uh, and overcome my somewhat disdain for Musou games. <laughs> this game made me like Musou games, I'll say that much. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. It was either going to be Dragon Quest Heroes or Persona 5 Strikers. I knew it was going to be one of those. Yeah, I, I will say the voice acting in this game is unbeatable. It's like the the most British voice acting you've ever heard. And like the voice really? acting... I, I mean, are you sure? Because because I've played Xenoblade Chronicles. No, no, it's it's even more British. It's amazing. And and then and then, and then the, the hilarious Russian accents for Elena and Kirill are you must <laughs> you you have to hear it. It's so funny. Oh boy! All right, I've been I've been playing a lot of Street Fighter Six recently, so. I mean, I don't know if they can get much more Russian than a Zangief accent, but uh, <laughs> but we'll we'll see. Maybe maybe I will play Dragon Quest Heroes before too long. Maybe we should do an, epi- an episode of Retro on Musou games. That that'd be interesting. Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I, I I know Wes would be all over that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Musou is one of their uh, 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 one of their should we say guilty pleasures? But uh, but anyway. Um, Dragon Quest three is not only about adventuring on the world map. Um, uh, Mario, and I apologize. I think I accidentally called you Mario early, uh, a, a moment ago, Geo. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, it, it's, it's hard when you're not, uh, when you don't see uh, people's, uh, uh, faces while they're, while they're speaking. But, uh, Mario town at night is not only a beautiful song, it has gameplay implementation too. This is, I think one of the earliest games with a day night cycle. 
Um, yeah. I, 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 I think I don't... it's at least the first Dragon Quest. Yes, it. the first Dragon Quest that did. Um, maybe there's uh, there probably are older games that did it, but I mean, 1988 is pretty, pretty uh, early for a game with a functional day-night cycle. Not only do different monsters appear at night, which, which again, that, that's true of other of uh, other Dragon Quest games, but um, you have to complete some quests at night. Like, there's one town where you find one of the orbs by revisiting a certain oh, yeah. location at night. So, there's, so like, not only does this game have a day-night cycle, it's implemented into the gameplay very tightly. But uh, but let's talk about the song a little bit, um, Town at Night, and, and this is from the, uh, we think, the Super Famicom version of Dragon Quest Three. I think so as well. I'm not exactly sure, but this is usually the version I go to for listening purposes and all that. Um, but, yeah. No, this is a really great, yeah. Just echoing what you said in terms of... Um, Dragon Quest 3 being the one that, or at least the first one in the series to kind of start the nighttime version of songs and all that. Like, this is a great piece. Um, it's so chill, so relaxing. Um, I like the little, like, bell noises or whatever. The whole, yeah, it's just such a good, such a good song. Um, and, like, like we're, we're speaking about earlier, like, overworld themes and, like, going on the adventure and everything. And this is more like, well, once you're in the town, it's a lot more... Um, like away from all the sort of dangers of exploring the overworld and bumping into a random encounter and all that stuff. So yeah, there, there, yeah, there, there's a feeling of safety. It's like, oh man, no, yeah. nothing. There aren't going to be any restless armors or slimes to attack me here anymore. Yeah, um, exactly. But, but also, yeah. It, it, it's an echo of the daytime version because it has like the do 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 like um melody that's in both the daytime and nighttime versions of the town. But this has like the um, the, the very sort of soft sing-song uh, uh, background um, b- background tone, but also like um, the very high-pitched version of the melody it almost sounds like a music box or something. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it sounds music box X. Um, yeah, no, it's a really pretty song. I really like it. It's almost like a sleepy quality to it that kind of fits for nighttime. Yeah, I like the vox pad they use in the background, like the, the like slight. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, I, I don't know how to describe it, like, aerial, ethereal, um, synth they use. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, think, yeah. They only use it for, like, the SNES games. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a 16-bit sound chip approximizing a chorus or a person's voice. But instead, it, it doesn't really sound like a person's voice or a musical instrument. It's, it's like, <laughs> it is a very particular thing that you, that you know the sound of if you've played video games. <laughs> um, I, I called it a background tone a moment ago, but it, it's, I think it's supposed to be someone softly singing, but, you know, through the lens of a 16-bit sound chip, that's what we got. Yeah, I will echo. It's, it, it is just so pretty. It's so pretty. It's one of the, it's a lovely song. Mm-hmm. And what we're saying is, Audra, you got to play some Dragon Quest III. Um, I but, know, e- I want to. But also, like, now you have a different conundrum. It's like, do you um, play one of the abundantly available versions of it? Like this, I, I know it's on the download, available for download on the Switch and some other places. Or do you wait for that uh, sexy 3D, 2D remake? That is so tempting. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I meant to say 2D HD, not 3D 2D. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, mixing, I'm, mix, I'm mixing up my Ds. <laughs> But uh, but that HD 2D remake looks great, and uh, we're getting it eventually? Question mark. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. What, I don't even remember what the last we heard of it is. I think it's been a minute, right? Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, and and we're recording this in June, so it's, it's possible that we have more uh, information on this uh, before this episode actually releases. But 
I, I, I hope we get some information on this soon because I, I think it's the next one coming of those multiple Dragon Quest announcements we got. Uh, oh God, was that two years ago now? Yeah, I think it was two years ago. Oh, wow. But I mean, I, I, I think it, this one is a likely worldwide release. I don't think this one's going to be confined to Japan. But uh, that is going to be my opportunity to finally replay Dragon Quest three for the first time in probably 20 years. Because I... I, I I, I messed around with it on the uh, on the NES, but the only time I really finished Dragon Quest III front to back was on the Game Boy Color, which is a very good version of the game. But I've thought about replaying that game many times, and oh, that 2D HD remake! Oh man, HD 2D, 2D HD, 3D 2D. I'm just I am completely mixing up my alphabet right now. I apologize, folks. <laughs> no, no worries. worries, no worries. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks really good. I'm yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to that version. Unfortunately, I like played this game on the Switch right before they announced that. <laughs> so I would have definitely wanted to wait for it, but yeah, it looks really good. Well, it's not necessarily time wasted because I mean that that it's a great game, but I, I absolutely yeah. understand that feeling. It's like, oh, I played this great game. Oh, but now a enhanced remake version was announced and I wish I could have played that version instead. Yeah, to be fair, uh, Dragon Quest 3 is like an extremely replayable one among the Dragon Quest. Oh, yeah. You can load up a different party composition, and it's a it'll feel like a completely different game, at least in combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go for the uh, goof off slash minstrel strategy, even if you haven't done that before. Oh god, I'm, I think I'm going to try that. I, I need I don't know what that is, but I'm, it sounds fun. Um, oh, well, okay. There's a book, an item called Book of Satori, which is what you have to do to reincarnate someone into a sage. Mm. But a goof off can at level twenty. Which is the worst class in the game, Goof Off is, but which I think is renamed Minstrel in later later Dragon Quest games. It can turn into a sage without a book of Satori. So if you want to play a game with multiple sages, you uh, you can start off with a character in the Goof Off job, and then have them play through half of the game, just being terrible. But then have a but then have potentially two sages in your party when in, for the second half of the game. Awesome. And and sage is probably the best class other than hero, mm. uh, because it learns all of the priest spells and uh, mage spells. Nice. It's it's not a balance. Is yeah yeah like like Rab in Dragon Quest Eleven is ba- is a balanced sage, and the Dragon Quest Nine sage is is like a less intense version with some mage spells and some priest spells. But the, the sage in Dragon Quest Three is broken. It, it's it's <laughs> it, it, it's just the best version of of any magic job. It's just kind of like yeah. the Final Fantasy Three sage in that way. Yeah, it's very much a Octopath Traveler like advanced job. <laughs> it's kind of like yes. this is gonna break the game sort of sort of job yeah this is the this job is going to break the game so it's the one job that's locked behind a special item in dragon quest 3 but you can get around that limitation if you uh suffer with a goof off for the first half of the game (laughs) i think i'm willing to do that (laughs) and and uh the the dragon quest 11 version of a goof off is uh silvando who is the opposite of a terrible character so you know (laughs) there's 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 different interpretations of dragon quest job systems over the years and i appreciate all of them um, well, mm, okay, I appreciate most of them, but uh, w- without elabor- elaborating on that, um, we do have one final block to get through for this episode, and um, I, I want to talk about, uh, oh shoot, uh, two of the most indelible parts of the Dragon Quest experience, um, uh, like visiting your first town and choosing the name of your main character. And so that's what we're going to go over for uh, this final block. Um, I'm bringing one song to it. Uh, That song is Only Lonely Boy from Dragon Quest II, but this is the Tokyo Strings Ensemble version from the original soundtrack. And there's 
plenty to explain there. But uh, uh, Gio, you have the final song of the regular portion of the show. Uh, what are you bringing for the last block? Yeah, I'm bringing Town of Alephgard from Dragon Quest, the Game Boy Color version. So it's an 8-bit. So I hope you enjoy that one. Yep, so we have... Only Lonely Boy, uh, the Tokyo String Ensemble version from Dragon Quest II, and Town of Alephgard from the game that started it all, Dragon Quest I.
right, so that was only Lonely Boy from Dragon Quest II, uh, the Tokyo Strings Ensemble version, and Town of Alephgard from Dragon Quest I. And uh, perhaps surprisingly, the oldest song, or the oldest recording of any um, game on this list, or I should say any song on this episode, is that pop remix of, uh, of, um, of Dra- from Dragon Quest II, because uh, Dragon Quest II... Was there was a huge marketing push behind it in 1987 when it came out, and uh, they even had a pop singer named Anna. Uh, I think I think it was Anna Makino, uh, record two songs based on uh, or uh, based on Dragon Quest II, including a J-pop version of this one, Only Lonely Boy, which is the name select theme at the beginning of Dragon Quest II. Um, so, uh, but, so this, uh, str- this string ensemble version is on the original Dragon Quest II album from 1987. Uh, they, they recorded, the, the Dragon Quest II doesn't have a huge number of songs in the soundtrack. I think it's around 10, maybe. Um, and they recorded a, uh, sort of a strings orchestral pop version of the entire soundtrack. So, like, search for Tokyo Strings Ensemble Dragon Quest II, and you will... Uh, hear the you know like yacht rock J-pop versions of every song on the soundtrack, <laughs> and uh, and the only lonely boy is is uh, I think one of the more iconic songs from Dragon Quest Two. It's um it, it's sort of it, it it it's sort of fun and happy, but also wistful at the same time. I'm I'm I don't totally know why it's called Only Lonely Boy, even though it's probably because there uh some very tragic circumstances happen to the three main characters of Dragon Quest Two. But uh, but but yeah, this um, it almost feels weird hearing a Sugiyama song with a like a pop remix of it, and not only then a 1987 uh, official pop remix of it. Um, I thought about bringing the vocal version that Anamakino sang, and 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 it's been covered by different pop singers over the years. I think there's like a an early 2000s um, recording of it as well. But uh, I, I think this song is is just fun and exciting and um like, like you and it, it, it you're like sort of not sure why it's the name select theme because it really just should be a uh a, a song for a happy part of the game but i guess there just aren't enough happy parts of dragon quest 2 <laughs> to, to celebrate because again like, like basically the three main characters are distant cousins who are uh, orphaned or forced out of their kingdoms and have to <laughs> and have to try to save themselves. Uh, spoilers for the first uh, hour or so of Dragon Quest Two, but uh, yeah, what do you think of this uh, crazy pop version of Only Lonely Boy, bringing special attention to that saxophone? Yeah, my city pop loving brain uh, naturally like you know fell in love with it. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> and um, I think uh, it's it, it really makes me wish that they they would use this one again like for the name select like um like the 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 song itself like not this version necessarily but um i actually think it's even more catchy than the one that they've been using ever since yeah i think from three onward we've gotten the do 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 like i'm I'm, like right (laughs) i'm not i'm not sure of an exception to that yeah yeah i think it's uh, and yeah it's it's a real good one i'm I'm really glad that you introduced this to us yeah it's catchy it's really nice i I just love how almost strange it feels to hear a pop remix of a dragon quest song because i really associate dragon quest with that full orchestra classical music stately feeling 
and this is just almost the opposite of that and it's like is this really a Sugiyama song it's like not only is it a Sugiyama song I think he conducted this group that was performing it oh no kidding Wow. No, he, he's a he's a classical conductor as well as a composer, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he did or not necessarily. But he was definitely involved in this uh, in this soundtrack. Uh, so, and, and this is again a, a track on the original soundtrack of Dragon Quest II, dated <laughs> 1987. Yeah, it's very different than what I'd expect from Dragon Quest, but I really like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Saxophone, the guitar, ooh, it just comes together wonderfully. Oh, should, I have, uh, should I have saved it for that? Um, uh, for two weeks ago, when we when we recorded the uh, the, the jazz and funk episode, nah, I, mean, yeah. I was I was, I was spoiled for choice on that episode anyway. <laughs> I, I know you have like seven choices for that one, right? Like you have like I, uh, something like I think I think my short list was something like six or seven, but then I had to I, I managed to pare it down to three. But uh, <laughs> uh, listeners, you probably are have already enjoyed that episode by now. But uh, um, but 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 Geo, um, there isn't a whole lot of funk going on in in, in Dragon Quest Uno. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, there, there is something very cozy about the, uh, about this town theme. Um, and, and, uh, Dragon, the Game Boy Color version, similar to Dragon Warrior 3, is how I finally beat the first Dragon Quest, uh, oh. for the first time. So, so th- this, I, I don't know, this hit a very weird, specific part of my nostalgia. Um, I, I like, imagine me... Uh, try like just avoiding homework playing put with this Game Boy Color game in my Game Boy Advance. Oh, I see. So you played it when you were younger. I I, I played Dragon Quest one, two, and three when I was a teenager. Oh. Um, uh, I I don't know how old you think I am, but uh, but th- this was this was uh, this was at least twenty years ago. <laughs> hmm, I was nine years old ten years ago, twenty years ago. So oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh you were all so young. <laughs> hmm. So, um, yeah, this is probably my favorite arrangement of this one. And I think, I, I feel like I, I, I felt obligated to feature this song in particular. It's like, number one, it's like my favorite Dragon Quest song, I think. And it's kind of like the elemental town theme of Dragon Quest. Like, it, they, they always, like, I know in Dragon Quest 3, spoilers, they kind of bring this back. Like, and, and it's like, it's, it's a real, um, moment. Like, it's a moment when they, when you, find yourself back in Aleph Guard again and uh, it's yes um, I think this song just hits different spoilers for a 35 year old game I suppose yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I I like the Game Boy Color version in particular because like uh, it's like uh, it's a bit richer than the NES version and like they incorporate like the added like the SNES the Super Famicom version of Dragon Quest 1 like they added like they added like a, a bit like a bit more to the song like a uh, to flesh it out a bit, and then they they took that version and then they rearranged it for Game Boy Color, and that, which is why I think like this is like the, the ideal version of this song. Yeah, the Game Boy sound chip is not as robust as even the NES's, and then also like the Game Boy had a sort of a terrible speaker. Um, so, uh, but but it's versatile, which is why a lot of chiptune artists like uh, playing around with gate with Game Boy chiptunes and uh, devices like the. Uh, Oh, like the analog pocket actually come built in with like a with like a Game Boy uh, co- compo- uh, com- um, composing software, uh, which is really fun to mess around in if you can get your hands on a analog pocket. But uh, but 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 yeah, like this, I, I don't I don't know. Like, the Game Boy has such a specific kind of sound to me, uh, like whether it's the the ding of the Nintendo logo coming down, that that this just feels like such a such a cozy Game Boy ass song. 
Um, and we were talk when we were talking about uh, the town theme from Dragon Quest Three, that uh, uh, the, the nighttime version that Mario brought in for the previous block. Black, we talked about how like a town version, town songs should give a feeling of safety because they, because it's real dangerous out there for a uh, for a solo adventurer in the Dragon Quest universe. A, a lot of it, it's like survive for as long as you can, then get back to town where it's safe so you can heal and save. <laughs> and but but this this really gives you a feeling of of a cozy town that is supporting you on your journey and then that's exactly um what the the towns in dragon quest one are like when there are there aren't many of them i think there's is it is it only two two or three yeah there, there, there is there is the one town that's in ruins yeah that's guarded by the golem yeah yeah maybe, maybe two others besides that it's, it's been a minute since i played that game as well it's a desolate world <laughs> which is why this sound the song being so happy is like <laughs> it's, it's interesting it's like the world itself is like kind of miserable but yeah no um this is definitely a game boy ass song and i really like <laughs> it um i think because of that chiptune sort of like quality to it it is just very nostalgic even though i haven't played dragon quest one um but yeah it's just that sounds just so nostalgic for me and like i did see this in three so that was cool i did i like didn't realize at the time that like oh this is something from earlier in the series but um it definitely was really cool to sort of see that connection and yeah the world is a lot is really desolate so this town music also was a nice sort of respite from all that in the context of dragon quest 3 at least um so yeah that was great yeah i mean i mean you know from the very beginning what the stakes are in dragon quest 1 but the song is sort of so pleasant you wonder do the townspeople know that there's an apocalyptic <laughs> threat like right over there yeah <laughs> because <laughs> Dragon Quest 1 is not a, is not a huge or long game like you can you can beat it in in five hours even if you were playing it for the first time and winging it a little bit um but uh but yeah it's like there's like Dragon Lord's Castle is right over there but the people in the town of Al Alfgaard are like, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like it's like all, all right guys not much of a sense of urgency in this Game Boy song <laughs> they're living in blissful ignorance yeah. Oh, to be as blissfully ignorant as an RPG NPC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, well, uh, listeners, hopefully you aren't quite as blissfully ignorant of the music of Dragon Quest now as you were uh, 90 minutes ago. Um, I, I, I can't speak for my whole panel, but I I was totally delighted to be talking about Dragon Quest with uh, with three such um, uh, such enthusiastic and positive party members. So thank you so much, listeners, for putting up with us all this time. And thank you so much, Mario, Audra, and Gio, for putting up with me all this time. Likewise. It was fun. For sure. Thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now I'm, like, wondering which one of us are, like, which job is each of us in this oh, party and all that? All right, all right. that's gonna that's, <laughs> that's gonna be whole... our, our all right. That's gonna be the ending here. Um, uh, we're we're gonna do this Dragon Quest Nine style, so I, I don't get to claim a hero job. I I don't get to do that. Um, but oh boy, I I really like uh sort of tanky support builds in Dragon Quest Nine. So I think I'm gonna be like a defensive paladin that's wielding a fan in uh from for my setup. Uh, what 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 jobs are you guys? I like healing jobs usually. Okay, so you're um, thinking priest or sage, probably. Yeah. All right, all right. We're we're, we're going to hear it. Mario and Geo. One of one of you guys has to give us some offense. I'll be the mage. I'll be the the guy casting. Uh, the offensive. Kaboom! I don't know. All right, Kaboomal <laughs> okay, nice or nice. Kazamel. Yeah. Okay. Kazamel. Oh God, the spell names. The That's spell a names. Whole get other, whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we should do an entire episode on Dragon Quest Onomatopoeia. It's just me oh going. My God. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I was gonna go with uh, I know three has a thief. I'm not sure if nine does or not. Um, it does. And how yeah. like offensive they are in that game, but um, they get a lot of speed skills. I think they're uh, they can equip swords and daggers. So yeah, um, thief or like maybe an armamentalist with thief skills is is good for nine. Okay, cool, cool. That'll be me. Excellent. So that's our Dragon Quest party, and that is our Dragon Quest episode. Uh, thank you again. Uh, I want to thank uh, Ario. Whoa, Ario. Whoops. <laughs> I, I want to thank Mario, Audra, and Geo. I'm terrible at names today. Um, and I want to thank you, the listeners. And I also want to thank Mike Salbado for giving us an opportunity to do this. Um, we have five first-time games for this episode. Um, this is the first time Rhythm Encounter has featured music from Dragon Quest One. Dragon Quest 3, Dragon Quest 6, Dragon Quest 9, and or Dragon Quest 11. So uh, that is five debuts for a Rhythm Encounter episode. I don't think that's the record, but that is that is several. And uh, I'm, I w- it was a, a joy to celebrate the music of those games, plus a few others today. Um, but uh, we do have a little bit of information for the future of Rhythm Encounter for you. Coming up next in two weeks, we have episode 114, Interview with Cara Comparetto. That is a, uh, that is a music... Um, cover artist and uh, i i believe a I, I believe she's a pianist but um but uh uh our own um patrick gan uh or, organized an interview with her that i know he was really excited to record so that is going to be the rhythm encounter episode in two weeks beyond that i don't think we've planned that far ahead so uh anything we don't know what the future will hold uh for that or for the dragon quest series because we still don't know that much about the Flames of Fate. But if you want to reach out to us about uh, Dragon Quest music or the Dragon Quest The Flames of Fate or how I am pronouncing everything wrong in this episode, you can email music at rpgfan.com. Um, you can also enjoy RPG Fan's other fine podcasts, uh, Retro Encounter, that's a one I'm quite familiar with, that recently had um, two episodes on Final Fantasy VI, uh, which I uh, I know were um, everyone was really excited to record those. Zach Wilkerson hosted them, and Final Fantasy VI is a great game, so that's probably worth checking out. And uh, also, Random Encounter, our biweekly podcast about current events and RPGs. Um, be- because we're recording this a little bit in advance, I don't know what news Random Encounter is, is reporting on most recently, but I'm sure they have everything. That was covered in the uh, new game announcements in June. Uh, there was uh, two episodes about Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, a, a lot of, uh, there's always something going on interesting at Random Encounter, hosted usually by John O'Logan. Uh, but if you want to reach out to RPG Fan's website or podcasts or reviews or anything, you can enjoy RPG Fan on social media in several places, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, uh, and, and all of those. It's always called RPG Fan or RPG Fan.com. RPG Fan also has a shop at RPGFan.com slash shop where you can buy uh, Emerald Shield emblazoned uh, apparel like hoodies shirts mugs uh uh let's see do, do we have keychains or, or maybe on the keychains but there's a lot of rpg fan merch available at rpgfan.com slash shop uh but we would and we would encourage you to support rpg fan by visiting that shop or giving us um, our podcast ratings on apple podcasts or google podcasts or spotify or however you listen to podcasts um but uh we do have one more song left to share but before we get there, uh, let's tell the listeners how they can reach out to us as individuals and not as a podcast or as a website, starting with you, Mario. Yeah, um, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm EXPTooney, so that's E-X-P-T-O-O-N-Y. And I'm also on RPG Fans social media, so Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for RPG Fan. Excellent. Now, Audra. Audra B at RPGFan.com. 
Thank you for keeping it short and sweet, Audra. <laughs> now, Gio, your turn. Yeah, you can find me on Discord. I go by Gio, so you'll find me pretty easily. And as for me, uh, I am probably easiest to find on Twitter. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs at other times, and still debating what my username is going to be when I eventually get a Blue Sky or Mastodon account. Um, you can also find me on RPG Fans Discord, where I am Monsoon Mike. And uh, Gio, when I said it was your turn a little while ago, that was only a half truth because you are getting a second turn. Um, you are supplying today's bonus track. Uh, and technically, I think we referred to this earlier, but probably the most iconic song in the history of Dragon Quest is that opening menu overture, the, the main theme of Dragon Quest, which has never been featured on Rhythm Encounter before. I know. But you showed us before recording a truly fascinating version of the Dragon Quest <laughs> main theme. So please, but before we use it to play us out, uh, give the listeners a taste. Exactly what are you bringing to the table for our bonus track tonight? Yeah, I'm bringing a, uh, an inexplicable ukulele version of the Dragon Quest uh, main theme. It's, uh, it's from an album called Dragon Quest Ukulele Collection, Island Breeze. And it's... Um, it's all by one guy, like Ryo Natoyama performs like a whole bunch of songs from a series with a ukulele, and it's just wonderful. Like it's, it's just this um, utterly peaceful experience that it's all on YouTube if you want to check it out. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, Gio introduced us to that song um a few days ago and you bet your ass i listened to that whole album because <laughs> I, I i was not aware of this of this song's existence or the album's existence but now i am so glad that i have seen that that incredibly adorable album art and uh this uh this lovely cover of the dragon quest main theme so uh listeners please enjoy uh this ukulele cover of the dragon quest main theme and take care of yourselves Goodbye.
<laughs> when I was taking care of my girlfriend's cats um, around a week ago, I uh, I was I don't know I was doing my usual noise making thing, and I did I did a cricket noise, and her orange cat went absolutely mental and started looking for a cricket to hunt. Oh my, I, oh my god! I, I I think I think he was no longer fooled after that first time, but he really really did get excited when he thought there was a cricket right next to him. He he like jumped off the windowsill and started just sort of darting around the room. Oh my god! You've heard you've heard me do that one before, right? I don't know if I've heard the cricket one. All right, well, here you go. Go for it. Damn! Wow, that's actually wow. yeah, that's really good. Oh, it, it's it's horrible. If you know me in person, you get you'll get sick of that uh, right around minute thirteen. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, no, I, I I did fool my girlfriend's cat into thinking into going on a cricket hunt. 